Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 10 of season 6, my US road trip part 2. In this season, I kick things off with two weeks in New Orleans. There, I head to a couple of competitions and spend some time hanging out with the who's who of Southern Barbecue. From there, it's up to Kansas City for four days of Barbecue Nirvana at the National Barbecue and Grilling Association's Annual Conference and Excellence Awards. The final two weeks of the journey see us head into Arkansas for some R&R, including bass fishing, monster trucks, a state cook-off association competition, an AK-47, and a brush with a tornado. And of course, you're coming with me. This is the third and final episode recorded live at the NBBQA's annual conference in Kansas City. The last day of the event was a double-headed state cook-off association. That's right, two rounds in one day. The competition was fierce as all the professionals who'd just spent two days cooped up in the Marriott came bursting outside to the square across the street. They were ready to light charcoal and have a good old throwdown. There was an awesome festival feel to the event despite being literally in the middle of busy Kansas City. There was even one barbecue trailer that periodically shot bursts of flame into the air while blasting out rock music. It was awesome. Before we get into it, I'd like to let you know about our awesome online shop. Particularly, I want to talk to you about the Hail Mary t-shirt. Drawing inspiration from the iconic barbecue pop culture art by Gil Elfgren, the Hail Mary tee is black, like all good barbecue shirts should be, come in both men and women's cuts and in a variety of sizes. And of course, they feature Mary. She likes her barbecue smoky, spicy, and just a little bit naughty. Check her out now at smokinghotconfessions.com shop. I'd also like to invite you to join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. If you're looking for a barbecue group full of open-minded people who just love to help each other out, the Smoking Hot Confessions community is a great place to continue the conversation. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. It really helps me spread that barbecue love. So without further ado, grab yourself a perfectly grilled ribeye steak and whatever daytime barbecue festival drink you like and join me at Barney Alice Plaza in the middle of downtown Kansas City for the NBBQA Barbecue Classic. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? If you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill, Jagged Woodfired has got what you need. Owners Julianne and Glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who've even traveled to the US to compete at the World Barbecue Championships in Houston, Texas. Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now famous smoker ovens, they are also producing incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinet smokers and some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever gonna see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work, ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfired.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D. Once again, head to jaggedwoodfired.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D, to learn more. 
Hey folks, it's Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here. Today is the big Barbie bash. We're outside, we're on the square outside the, uh, the Marriott Hotel, dead in the middle of the city. And lo and behold, who do I manage to track down but Dan from Griffin Smokehouse all the way from Western Australia. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Oi, oi, oi! Hey! There, you go. there we Easy go. Easy, <laughs> so, how's the conference been for you, mate? Yeah, it's been awesome. Like, uh, I come here every, pretty much every year. I've been coming since 2015. Um, it's a great um, industry-based um, uh, conference, all about barbecue. So it gets you, lets you um, look at what's going on behind the scenes, what's driving the trends in the industry. Um, there's a competition aspect, like they've got the cook-off going over here, but um, it's something when, you, when you're in business um, of barbecue, when you come here, you, you're cutting out the mistakes that like you might make in trial and error of starting up something, and, but here they've been doing it for a decade, so it's, it's an awesome conference. Yeah, I was talking to uh, to Kent Black of Black's Barbecue yeah, like a, a, a really couple of days nice ago. Guy. His family has, I think he said, 87 years experience in the in the barbecue and smoking industry. Yeah, I mean that for him to share that kind of knowledge, that's yeah. that's three generations of, yeah. of catch up that you get to do. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, um, uh, the Black family are awesome, and they're the kind of people when I've come to the conference and I go home and I look at like you know developing my website or the way that they run their um, their restaurant. I, I look at that because these guys are a model of success. So, yeah, definitely. Um, it, and it's fascinating to see how they've done it and then they've done it over generations. So, yeah, yeah. The, the, the key to that is obviously evolution. And I think for the Australian scene to be able to come out to events like the NBBQA yeah. and sort of get that knowledge, get that shortcut, that's going to boost our evolution in... Yeah, like that absolutely it's like that massive um, acceleration and I mean I, I noticed it from um, a few years back in, in the competition stuff where everyone was just sort of bumbling their way through next thing you know there's a whole heap of master classes that first, <laughs> yeah, first, the yeah. first lot of guys were, were flying to the states to do master classes and they would come back and dust everyone else and then we got got some really great um, pit masters coming over running the classes here then you saw the level of um, competition barbecue in Australia just like skyrocket so which is good for everyone because it like you know it's an, a, a rapid evolution and the more things that we get from like experts who've been doing it for decades it's you know it makes it better for us all around. So. Absolutely and now speaking of of advancement and development and evolution you've become uh, somewhat of a celebrity over here you were part of the culinary fight club <laughs> Yeah, Mate, that was phenomenal. How did that come about? Um, that was basically um, Saffron, um, who's running um, NBBQA at the moment. She's, uh, she's an Australian girl, um, but based in Seattle, I think. That's right, um, yep. And, uh, you know, I said I was coming to the conference, and she said she suggested the Fight Club, and it's like, and like, why not throw your hat in the ring? Because you come all this way, um, and after a few years, you kind of go, you're at in awe and you're, you're sitting on the sidelines but then you go you know what why not jump in and um, it was challenging um, that 60 minutes um, goes really fast and to be up against like really well seasoned chefs is is kind of intimidating really um, but uh, it was fun it was it was a fun thing and like we had to think on the fly and not everything went to plan but um, but everyone loved it and I, and I thought it was a great way to start the, um, the whole conference um, but yeah, it's, it's something definitely different to 
your well-planned barbecue comp, you know, you where you've got time to have your strategy. Everything's timed and planned yeah. to the minute on a run sheet on the wall. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that like everybody is, you know, you're you're chopping and you're trying to direct your um your staff to, to get different things done and you're scrambling and then people are just standing there with their camera like click. click. Yeah, yeah, that was me. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> There's other people coming up asking questions and we're actually when we were um, plating the judges samples and like and we had a few other ones we were, were sort of going, they're the best ones, put off the side. People were already coming up and like just selecting them off the, <gasps> oh, <laughs> off, no. off the, off the table. But, um, you know, and it's like, okay, maybe this is how it works here. I don't know. but um, I don't think they were supposed to be doing <laughs> that. No. But, um, it, but it, it's just, it's pretty hectic and, you know, um, but it was good fun. And like, I think that's the thing is like when you come over here, you got to jump. The benefit comes from coming out of your comfort zone and like, competing in new stuff and then that's part of the learning process as well like otherwise it's uh, you're not you're not uh, learning as fast as what you can and, and then and the benefit is like I was kind of no like just another attendee and then I did the did the uh, the culinary fight challenge and it was next thing they're blurting your name out all the time and you know and then everyone comes up and starts talking to you where it was last year or the year before you were kind of just amongst the crowd so yeah, it was definitely a um, fantastic opportunity. Yeah, awesome. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was really good. So the the very first step of the Culinary Fight Club was to run out to that table that was covered in all like seven hundred different ingredients. Yeah. What goes through your mind when you've got forty five seconds to choose what you're going to grab off that table? It's um it's something where you, you can they kind of give you an indication of what's there, and obviously in the hour before it starts, you can circle the table, but you're not allowed to touch anything. Um, and then you're looking at the produce, and I, most people had a preconceived plan of, okay, we're going to do this with our, our protein. Um, and I did the katsu because it's like, and for me, like, I, I'm a pit, to do sort of the pitmaster side of things, but not a chef background, is that, like, so, you know, planning it out methodically is what I do. Um, so it's definitely a challenge to think on your feet, and you're like, you've got to try not panic because you go, oh my God. And everyone, and then there was the one thing for us was we were going to do a um, like a bar me, but like a katsu bar me. Sort of, and um, I forgot the breadsticks. Like I grabbed all the oh, other main ingredients, no. and then it was like, okay, what do we do now? You know. So um, we ended up doing the, the small chicken sample, which was just the katsu. That was delicious. The katsu by itself, but yeah, that was. Um, I think it turned out all right. In um, and everyone loves like fried chicken, so especially after a couple of drinks, so. That was a good call, mate, and it, it actually worked out really well, because you haven't mentioned it, so I'm gonna mention it. You ended up in the in the top four, so. Yeah. I mean, to, to have been, as you said, someone in the crowd here last year, yeah. Yeah. and to be, now be a bit of a celebrity cook here, like, yeah. that's phenomenal, and you, yeah. you're in the top four, and you're up against some serious career, like French trained culinary yeah, chefs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and they've been doing those kind of TV challenges for a while and yeah. you're just sort of thrown in there <laughs> like, a, like 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 putting a cat in a bag and throwing it on the in the in, in the I, river. You know? I don't think you could say it any better. It's just <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. And, and the funny thing was when you stand up there with all those guys and um, uh, the, the guys from Chicago who are out here today um, you're standing there and you've got your tiny, your small samples and then they've got these massive towers of like meat and like oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sparklers yeah. and all the stuff like the grandeur is fireworks like, shooting yeah, off each yeah. one and, and, it's, and it's just like 
I'm going to come dead last year. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I didn't read the memo, but it's like, and, I, and mate, you're only just a few points off. Yeah, so yeah. like that, yeah. mate, I'm, I'm going to shake your hand and say, yeah. well done. Thanks, I'm going to say man. thank Cheers. you for your time and congratulations on, on the uh, Culinary Fight Club because, yeah. man, that was outstanding. Yeah, no worries. And I have to say congratulations to you for all the awards you got this week because you've oh. done an outstanding job. And to be, like, an Australian who's um, in your field, doing multimedia, um, there was a book as well, was it, you got? Uh, it was the website and the podcast. Yeah, and the podcast, yeah. But to be up against people who have been doing that for years... And to be acknowledged for that is an awesome effort. So I have to congratulate you on that. So. Thank you, mate. I, I, I appreciate that. No worries. All right. Have Thank a good you. One. Hey, folks, it's Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here. I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. Now, if you've been watching the website for a little while, you'll know that I love my Teltrue gauges. I've got them installed on my Radar Hill Vertical Offset Smoker. I've installed them in my Pro-Q, in my Weber Kettles. And I've been very privileged at this conference to run into Yvonne, who is from... Tell true. Yvonne, have you been enjoying the conference? Love it. It's been a great couple days here in Kansas City, Missouri, and looking forward to spending a little bit more time here and coming back. Yeah, me too, although we're not going to be here next year. I know. Louisville is what I hear. I've never been there. Have you been there? I have been there. It's a, a, it's a great little town, city, that is actually doing a lot of restoration over the few years. That oh, I, interesting. The last time I've been there. Interesting, interesting. So, can you tell me a little bit about um, about the the Teltru business, how it all started, and uh, and, and the, the story of that? So, our company is 103 years old this year. Wow! And uh, the bulk of our business has always been in, uh, industrial, so our, a very durable, accurate product was always required. And in the past you know, 30 years, 25, 30 years, the barbecue segment has been growing. American barbecue has been. Uh, really a passion for low and slow cooking and from that with low and slow you really need accurate temperature monitoring. You absolutely do, yeah. And so uh, quality and durability is still a requirement for our business, customer satisfaction and we are an ISO 9001-2015 certified company so we go through audits annually and uh, with the 2015 quality system, you, your uh, ownership and, and executive group takes more responsibility in customer satisfaction. So we're proud of that, that we are, we do have that certification. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal because that's, that's an international certification, isn't right. it? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. So can you tell me about the, the design and manufacture process and, and what, sort of, what sort of testing procedures do the gauges go through? Absolutely. So we have integrated manufacturing facility in Rochester, New York, and which is in western New York, closer to Niagara Falls than, than New York City. Yeah. And so we have CNC equipment. We buy raw materials that have uh, material traceability. We have CNC, we have a stamping equipment, we have uh, multiple uh, temperature baths with NIST traceable uh, master thermometers. We have thermometers that are in those baths. So every thermometer has to pass calibration, otherwise it doesn't ship. But it, we are also making our own temperature sensors for the dial thermometers, the bimetal coil. Right. So it... it it has to pass a stiff accuracy spec. It's plus or minus 1%. So whatever the range is, it, it's plus or minus 1% within that. And every 
dial type thermometer, bimetal thermometer, is actually set mid-scale and, and it spans out from there. So wherever the set point is, that's where it's going to be dead on accurate. And then it goes, the, the, the outside span is the plus or minus 1%. It has to be within that tolerance. Right. Wow, that, that sounds like fantastic. Just so, so super accurate. You said something before about traceable materials. What does that mean? So when we buy our materials, we need to validate that it truly is 303, 304, 316, depending on what it is that we're buying. And so when you get that from a, uh, a steel mill, for example, and we typically we're going to uh, buy through suppliers, we want to ensure that the material that we're buying is what the claim is being made by the supplier, you know, that it's traceable all the way back to the mill. Wow, so you've got those those quality control measures yes. all the way back to the raw material. Correct. Yeah. That's incredible. That's so good. And made in the USA. Absolutely. Proud of that. And it's it's certainly not easy to be a company that's over a hundred years and uh, it's the culture. You know, it is about quality and customer satisfaction. And if you're gonna make temperature instruments, they need to be accurate. And that, that reputation has obviously led to some pretty um, interesting relationships. So yes. we're here today at the Big Green Egg Tent. Yes. Because the Teltru is now the, I, I don't know how to say it, the official thermometer of, of Big Green Egg. Uh, well, I would love to think so. I mean, I, it's been since around 2010, I believe, that uh, this is Big Green Egg listened to their customers, the consumers that had eggs. The original thermometer that came with them was not a Teltru. And what the forums, people were on there, social media makes a difference in what customers want. Social media matters, people. Absolutely. (laughs) And Big Green Egg listened to them and said, these customers of ours, they own a Big Green Egg. They don't like the thermometer that we're putting on it. They've been replacing the thermometer with a Teltru thermometer. So let's find out if we can have Teltru make a thermometer for the egg. And that's how it happened. Perfect, perfect. So it's not just people like myself that love to uh, pull them out and replace them with, with Teltrus. It's big, long-standing companies that are now using them as well. Right. So look, th- thank you very much for your time. It's been thank great to get back. a bit about uh, to get a bit of that history of the of the company, and um, and it's great for me to know where my favourite thermometers are coming from. <laughs> thank you very much. Appreciate you know, and welcome to America. Oh, thank you very much. I've I've had a great time. I hope I get to put, Australia. Put on a couple of pounds, but uh, but you know it's a it, it's a four day barbecue festival, so I can't complain. That's what we expect. You know, good barbecue. You should uh, actually weigh more after you leave. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Bye. Hey, this is Drew from Barbecue Mafia, and you're listening to Smoking Hot Confessions. trace the history of real barbecue in Australia, you will have come across Ranch Hand. Owner Cliff founded the company in 2010, mixing and selling barbecue rubs before most of us knew what barbecue rubs even were. In short, Cliff is an OG of the Australian barbecue scene. An American expat, Cliff is single-minded in his goal to deliver traditional southern recipes with fresh Aussie ingredients. And those recipes? They're secret family recipes dating back to the 1960s. The range of products is broad with something for everyone from the backyard grill master to competitive pit masters. 
Some of these delicious rubs include the Midnight Magic Rub, the Better Off Red Beetroot Rub, and the Wild and Woolly Lamb and Game Rub. I got to taste the Midnight Magic Rub at a competition recently, and I gotta say, it's very, very good. So if you're looking for a barbecue rub that will wow family and friends as well as barbecue judges, do yourself a favor and head on over to ranchhand.com.au. That's ranchhand.com.au. Hey folks, Ben for Smoking Hot Confessions here. We are on day four. Uh-huh. Day four of the NBBQA conference and uh, and various festivals and things, and uh, look, I'm still I'm still here. I'm still upright, still having a great time, and I wish you all were here. Now, if you've been following the uh, the Smoking Locker Fashion Show for a while, you'll know that uh, that my wife's family is from Arkansas, and I was very happy to see this gentleman jump up and claim a couple of prizes at the awards night. So this is Roy Cisco from the Arkansas Hog Source Company. Mate, congratulations on your wins, and well, you. and welcome to the show. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, we came in on Wednesday, and uh, we went on the restaurant tour, and uh, we're here to get educated, enjoy ourselves, have a good time, and I went to my first barbecue uh, conference in 06. I was a UPS package car driver, and I retired in 011, and I've been to everyone since. I've been all over the United States with them. Yeah, and I'll, I'll bet you're probably busier now in your retirement than you were when you were working. <laughs> well, it's what I want to do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's it's amazing the difference that it makes when you actually, when you have that, and you, you have to excuse the pun, the burning passion for, for what it is that you do. It, uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, my wife told me, she said, uh, you've been up since 6.30 in the morning. You hadn't had a nap in the afternoon. And... Uh, and you got in late every night, so I'm mud when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet, I'll bet. So, here at the conference, uh, I was lucky enough to place in the Ward of Excellence. Uh, it's a contest that you can enter, and uh, they have tomato mild, tomato spicy, they have mustard, and they have hot. And uh, you have to choose your category, and I took second place with my Arkansas hog sauce. And this is my fourth first place. No, I'm uh, not. I have four first place wins, and now I have a good second win. And I'm a a mustard, uh, not a mustard, a ketchup base with a sweet with a little bite. And you wanted me to elaborate, like on Texas, a lot of your Texas people does not use any sauce at all. You know, they'll just give you a, a butcher paper and a, a piece of bread and send you out the door. Now, if you come up here to Kansas City, you uh, you know you're into the wet or dry issue, just like in Memphis. They they argue that all the time. My sauce is you can cook dry, and if you want it wet, you can make it wet. And then if you want to change my sauce, you can add uh, like a third a cup of apple jelly or peach or raspberry, oh, and you have a different good. flavor. So it it goes with any kind of meat you want to serve it on. And I'm an after sauce. Uh, if you start with my sauce, it will burn. So it's a finishing sauce. And, right. Yeah. Now, so. now, being called, uh, being that it's called a, a hog sauce, I, I'm assuming it's it's mostly for pork? Um, we created it for pulled pork is what we did. And uh, we do really well on chicken and turkey and a little less on beef. It's, you know, barbecue is what you like. 
not what I like. Exactly. And yeah. uh, barbecue is a lot of times when you cook it and you get it off, it's not what you're wanting; it's what you get. <laughs> you know, I like that. I like my, that. My, my definite definition of a pit master is somebody that's uh, screwed up at least a thousand pieces of meat and served them to somebody, and they're happy. <laughs> yeah. If you're not broke from all the money you've lost on all the money on all the meat that you've burnt, you're not a pit master. No. And <laughs> another reason I come to the conference uh, now, since I've been so many times, if I travel, I have a barbecue family. So I got somebody in Australia to go visit, and I've got you know clear across the United States. I know barbecue people. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the things that I've noticed about this conference is that. It doesn't feel like a conference. It feels like a family reunion. Like I, 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 this is my first time here, so I'm I'm the newcomer to the family. But I've been observing people like shouting and hollering across the room and running across and big embraces. And it's uh, it, it like I said, it's more like a family reunion than it is a conference. Well, now these people here today are cooking and serving and not worrying about competition. Now, if I say if I went to Memphis in May they really wouldn't come up and talk one-on-one -on -one or have the time to uh, answer your questions and stuff because it's serious business when we're in competitive. But today, you know, we'll sit down at tables, visit, see each other in the hall, visit, and then, uh, then some of them does the classes. And if you see them out here and you forgot something, they'll, they'll answer your question. And, uh, and for two days you have... Uh, classes and uh, your award ceremonies and dinner and then uh, tonight we will have our dinner and uh, people's choice awards and then uh, we have these uh, demos that's going on fixing to happen and uh, the professionals really tell you the tricks and trades and everything yeah they do it's yeah. it, it's fantastic now speaking of uh, of professionals working with the public you're you're an award-winning sauce manufacturer, and you're here with uh, with Big Green Egg uh, this weekend. Tell us what you're doing here at the at the uh, barbecue bash today. Well, I'm working with uh, uh, Ray Lippy uh, with the Big Green Egg and uh, RD out of Springfield, Missouri, which I knew. And uh, when I showed up this morning, uh, Ray introduced me to everybody, and I opened RD's jacket up, and I said, "Yeah, I thought they, you were from Springfield, Missouri," and I haven't seen him probably for three years. Oh wow! So, yes, he's he's close to my hometown, and he did sell my barbecue sauce for a while. <laughs> and uh, so, but uh, last year I think I worked with Boar's Night Out, and they just they cooked two whole hogs, and they're giving away pulled pork, and uh, they're a wonderful team. And uh, you just get to know these people. Uh, and Eric, he he prepped the hog and show you how to do it, and then tell you what to do and what not to do, and and uh, the products he uses, and uh, it's just a wonderful time. I'm, uh, my wife said, uh, you know, Nashville's too far. I think no, we're going to Louisville, and uh, I can't wait till next year to get to Louisville, do it all over again. Sounds like it's going to be great, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, look, mate, I'm going to say thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm going to let you get back in there and, and uh, keep helping the public. It's a great opportunity for them to meet, you know, industry-awarded experts such as yourself and, um, and, and really get that opportunity. So thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, if you come to Arkansas, I'll, I'll give you a hillbilly tour. I'm I'll be there on Sunday evening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll have a room for you. <laughs> All right. Thank you.
Hey folks, it's Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here. We're on day four of the NBBQA conference now. It's the Barbecue Bash. We're outside in the square in the middle of Kansas City. And ladies and gentlemen, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Sir, how are you? Oh, good to see you, man. Thanks for coming over for, this, for the conference. Oh, mate, I, I've had a ball. I've had an absolute ball. It's the real thing here. And you're in a real, you know, of all the places in the U.S., Kansas City is one of the original barbecue towns. Have you been around to some of the old places? I did, I did. I, I jumped on the on the bus tour on, on day oh, one on, on Wednesday, and I went to uh, Plowboys, Slaps, and the original Joe's. Nice. I had some good choices, man. It would be three of my favorites for sure. Yeah, yeah. Joe's was really cool. You kind of go in, and then you go down a side door, and you go down the first level, then you go down another level. Oh, the gas station one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one you want to go to. It's amazing how much is going on down below. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was just amazing because you, you pull up out front, and you're like, Really? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. And Jeff, did you meet Jeff, the yes. proprietor? Yeah. Jeff is one of the, I've known Jeff since like 1990. He's one of the original OG barbecue competition guys here in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely knows his stuff. And he's obviously um, a very wise businessman because he's, he's built up three locations now and just killing it. The, some of the numbers he was rattling off during that presentation <laughs> was just phenomenal. Yeah, it's nice to see, isn't it? Yeah, a, a, absolutely. So tell me about um, about yourself, Dr. Barbecue. What are you up to these days? Well, these days I've spent a lot of time in Florida. It's where I live. I've uh, got a new restaurant. The restaurant thing is new to me. I've done everything else. I've written nine cookbooks, been a spokesman for Big Green Egg for 15 years and done everything else you could do in barbecue except have a restaurant. And some folks approached me about it, doing one with them, and they're good restaurant people. You know, I don't know how to run a restaurant. I've been always scared of that. And they were they they know how to do all of that. And so I said, yeah, I'll be in on that. And it's been a real pleasure, but it's taken up a lot more work than I expected. I'll bet, I'll bet. So what's been the what's been the the most challenging thing for you so far? Um human resources, I don't know if that translates, people. Hiring and firing people. That's, that's a very politically correct way of yeah, saying it. Yes, that's good. It's the miserable reality of it, you know, because uh, I'm just a passionate guy. I've always been self-employed, entrepreneur, and I expect everybody to have the same work ethic and attitude that I do, and they just don't. That's just the way the world goes around, and that's just hard for me. Yeah, it's it's it, it's difficult when for some people it's a passion and for other people's it's a paycheck. It's a job, yeah, and unfortunately that's what most of the world is doing. And they're nice people. A lot of them are young, too, and they just aren't, uh, this isn't necessarily where they want to be for the rest of their lives. They're passing through. They do a good job, and it's okay, but I just want them to all be as passionate about it as I am, and they're just not. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a shame, but hey, let's... That's what events like this are, are here for, is for, for, for folks such as yourself with the experience and the knowledge and the passion to be able to share and, and distribute that. So that's, uh, that's, that's great. Well, that's the, now the, the good part of it has been sharing the really good barbecue with all the people because people think they know what good barbecue is, and, and they don't. And so we've had so many customers come in, and they all come in with an attitude. I, I told all the servers this the day before we opened, I said, Every day you're going to walk up to a table and guy's going to say, well, you know, I'm from Texas, so I know barbecue. Well, I grossly underestimated that because it's pretty much every table that has a barbecue <laughs> expert at the table. So it's it's a little intimidating. But so then they when they turn around and say, you know, I'm a barbecue expert and you guys are doing great. That's very cool. And the other side of that is we feel really lucky, even if they're very judgmental of us, then they are. We feel really lucky to be serving something people are that passionate about. You know, it's just fun. Yeah, now, is, is Florida a real big barbecue state? Yeah, it is. Uh, people don't understand Florida. Once you get away from the water, 
is just like Georgia, ah. you know. When you get in the middle of Florida, it's just a whole bunch of rednecks. And, and so, yeah, barbecue is a real thing there for sure. Awesome. So what sort of differentiates then? You you, uh, you mentioned Texans before. What, what sort of would differentiate, say, Texas barbecue against, say, Florida barbecue? Well, ironically, we have a guy that works for us, the guy that cooks the barbecue every day, Lee, Lee Jasper, came to us from Kreitz Market over in Texas. So we inadvertently are serving some Texas seriously influenced <laughs> barbecue. Uh, I'm not a big believer of this regional things the way it is laid out to be. Uh, at the end of the day, most of us are cooking cow meat or pig meat, and we're using hickory or oak or maybe something a little more exotic. It's not that different. The sauces get a little more different, but I, I'm not a big believer. All this, you know, Kansas City and Memphis and Carolina and Texas, well, that's mostly all stuff that's written by some food writer sitting in New York that didn't bother to go to those places. So I, I think... For me, in my experience, and there's a lot of it, there's it's way more, there's more like 500 regions of this little neighborhood where we put a lot of extra black pepper in our barbecue, or or over here where we like lamb, or we like uh, Alabama, the perfect example, the, the chicken with white barbecue sauce. Oh, that's, that's good not, stuff. Well, do you really think, as soon as you cross out of Alabama into Georgia, they quit having that? As soon as you go back in, they start eating it? That's just not how it is. There's a, and We know where that one starts. It starts with Big Bob Gibson's in Decatur. They cook chicken and they dunk them in the white barbecue sauce. It's really salad dressing. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. It's kind of vinegary and it's just salad dressing, but it's their thing. So, of course, the place down the street started doing it, and then their cousin opened a place in the next town in Huntsville, and he started doing it. So it becomes this regional thing. But it doesn't, if you go down to Mobile, the other part of Alabama, they don't, they may have it, but it's not, It's they have it because everybody keeps asking for it, not because it was their thing. Ah, gotcha. Okay, so it's, the, the differences can be even more complex than just state-based. I think so, yeah. It's region. It's every, every town's got its own little thing. I think that's the case for sure. So I've got a hell of a lot more research to do there. That's the good news. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, some places are pretty predictable. Uh, you, know, you know why they cooked a lot of hogs over hickory in Carolina? Because they had a bunch of hogs and a bunch of hickory? Oh. You know, I, I walked right into that one, didn't I? <laughs> you know why they cooked briskets in Texas over mesquite? Because they had a lot of mesquite. Well, and, and the brisket was the cheap part of the, the cow that nobody wanted. You know, that was so it was available. Um, and, and that's the reality of it. That's what it is. You know, we, if you go up to, uh, if you ever get a chance, go up to uh, Davies County, Kentucky, where they cook a lot of mutton. Uh, well, you're an Aussie. Of course you'd like that. Oh, yeah. And I don't really know the origin of it, but I guarantee there was a lamb farmer up there, and, and that's why they started barbecuing them. But that's cool. That's the fun part of it, the real authentic part, you know. We want to try to make everything into some uh, soundbite great story anymore, and there's way more out there to find. Well, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to, uh, to to finding it all. So are you cooking the SCA comp that's, that's happening right now? No, I just don't get involved with that steak cook-off stuff. I, it's, it, it, the competitions, if you're not actively in it all the time, it's hard to do real well, and I just don't have time anymore. I, I got my teeth cut, though, that's for sure. I started my barbecue competition career in 1982 wow. in Chicago. And, and I'm, I, don't, I don't claim to be retired right now, but I haven't cooked one since 2016. Ah, oh, fair enough, fair enough. So from, from 82 to 2016 then, how have you seen the competition scene evolve? 
it's amazing what what I saw. Uh, and t- so in 1982, you showed up with a cooler of meat and a cooler of beer, and and we didn't even have pop up tents back then. Sometimes you just stood out in the sun, or maybe you had one of them little lean to with some strings to hold it up tent, or or if you got lucky, you were in the shade of a building. Uh, so th- you know, we went from that to now, where everybody has a hundred thousand dollar rig to cook out of, uh, and, and just the the we would also drive into town, and there's a KCBS rule that says your pork butt must be about four pounds, I think it is, or five pounds. I don't know exactly how it's written now. Well, the reason for that rule was we would show up into town and go to the supermarket, and they didn't always have a whole big old 10-pound pork butt. What they had in the case was about a four or five-pound piece, so they made that legal. That's where that stuff originates. Now we're all oh, okay. so so over-managed that we all import our meat from that corner of the U.S. and buy this $100 piece of meat and cook it and and then we got all the injection and all that stuff. I mean, it's so much more refined. It, it, I, I, I tend to think it's more, I call the new guys uh, technicians. You know, we just showed up with a cutting board and a knife and some some spices and hope for the best. These guys now, everything is perfectly manicured, perfectly planned out ahead of time. And I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just very different. And, and, and very interesting to watch that uh, evolve. Yeah. yeah, I've been lucky enough to see it all evolve over the years. That's right. It, it's... it's uh, you know, and some of the things I was once fussing about the whole money muscle mentality that that one part of the pork butt is somehow better than the others. And, and Darren Worth from Smokey D's, who was an old friend of mine, he said, well, you're the one that taught me how to do that. So, <laughs> so I, have to, I have to, you know, step back a little bit on my high horse on that, some of that stuff. You know, we all, we all are like this. We want things to evolve to a place where we're happy and then don't continue evolving. And that's just not how the world goes around. Well, that's, I, I understand it, exactly what you mean because there's been no good pop music released since the late 90s. <laughs> I thought it was at the end of the 70s, personally. <laughs> but Yeah, so where do you see the future of barbecue going then? If we've gone from, you know, uh, as you said, blokes with just a chopping board and a knife and a cooler to uh, barbecue technicians, what do you think is going to happen next? Do you think the refinement will continue or do you think it's going to swing back to the more traditional ways? That's a good question. I don't know. We we all thought way back in the day that we dreamed of one day we were going to be like NASCAR, where I was the Miller Lite sponsored team with a big truck and you were the guy that worked for, you know, the soap company or something. And we all just had big sponsors and we traveled around as a group. And, and that's not what happened. It didn't go that way at all. A lot of guys successful these days, but it's been more the entrepreneur mentality that has succeeded, not the, you just because you're the best, you get the sponsorship from light beer. And so that's been a really interesting thing to see. Uh, I don't know how it can continue to go the way it's going. I, I tend to think that something else will come along. Maybe what I just described will come along. Uh, I think we need to go, you know, barbecue restaurants here have had this interesting evolution where there was the old school places and then we found uh, Southern Prides and Old Hickory's, the automatic kind of smoker showed up and it made it really easy to cook some pretty darn good barbecue. But it wasn't great barbecue. And then guys went back to the old way. Uh, Aaron Franklin's the poster child of cooking with just logs. And, we, and now there's a whole new generation that is doing that. And, and I think that, that what we may see this all go back a step. You know, we all use these injections and, and rubs and, and a lot of different techniques that aren't frankly are not authentic barbecue i mean if you judge the chicken at a barbecue cook-off these days tell me where you might actually find that in a restaurant it's just not something you're going to find it's a different animal so i tend to think that the problem is where do we go back to again 
we want to go back to, you know, old school, the way barbecue really was. Okay, I wrote in one of my books way back in the day. Okay, that's fine. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to front you a knife and a loincloth because I don't want you to be naked, and i got to give you a knife to get a start. But that, you want to talk old school barbecue, there you go. Here's your knife and your loincloth. You tell me when your food's ready. Um, you know, because if we want to go up to, I always said that uh, everybody wants the evolution to end where they are standing. Yeah. You know, we want to make, we're going to have offset smokers. That's traditional old school barbecue. No, it isn't. That's, that, that, that happened in the oil fields. They just the had ground. some fun. Yeah, yeah, hole in the ground would be, you really want to go old school, right? A hole yeah. in the ground. And we don't have charcoal. We don't have anything to light the fire with and, you know, hope for lightning and then we can start cooking. I, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, being, I'm being sarcastic, but but how do you decide where's the evolution start yeah. or stop? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I tend to think it'll happen. It'll probably come from a sponsor. Somebody will will choose to uh, want want to see this, and they'll decide where the line is, and and then it might happen. So that's kind of what I think the evolution will be, because I just I find it very flat line right now. Yeah, some, some definitely, uh, there's a lot of food for thought in that. Well, look, I'm going to say thanks so much for your time. Thank you for coming on the show and for, and, and for being a part of Smoking Hot Confessions. And best of luck with your new restaurant. My pleasure, man. Hey, Australia, good to see you. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. If you want good barbecue, you need good charcoal. And when it comes to charcoal, the denser the wood, the better the charcoal. This is where Dragon's Breath Charcoal comes in. It's made from Australian native Gigi, famous for being the third most dense wood in the world, which means you're going to get 100% quality 100% of the time. The manufacturer of Dragon's Breath Charcoal was founded in 2005 and is the largest charcoal manufacturer in Queensland. A company founded in firm principles and values, the manufacturers of Dragon's Breath seek out opportunities to serve the community, starting with their work in the environmental restoration of Southwest Queensland sheep and cattle stations. Over the years, they've developed dietary charcoal products for livestock and horses and pets. And now there's garden and agricultural soil products that help keep moisture in the soil while it takes CO2 out of the atmosphere. Dragon's Breath Charcoal will be launching on Amazon in October, so stay tuned for more info soon. Folks, it's Ben for Smoking Hot Confessions here. We're at day four of the MBBQA conference, and uh, I've managed to track down one of the most well-known barbecue personalities here in Kansas City. This is Brandon from Jazzy Bees. Man, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you too. So, tell me what you're doing here today at the uh, at the barbecue bash. Well, we're just here, just kind of promoting Jazzy Bees. We're here selling with the food truck. That's where we started about eight years ago with the food truck. Now the restaurant, two and a half years ago. So we're just here trying to support and get everything out. So where did it all start for you? Were you a, were you a competition team or were you no. a, a, a backyard cook with some good ideas? I was I was a football player and I used to cook for the team quite often when we'd just be hanging out and what happened is I became good. And then over the years, uh, I decided to open up a food truck instead of a restaurant to start out, kind of test my, because I have a different spin on barbecue. Ooh. And that spin is like the brisket tacos. I have what's a Reuben roll, smoked fried chicken wings. Um, so I spin in other culinary experiences and that's the jazzy part. 
That's that's where I jazz up barbecue. Just nice, to nice. Yeah. Some yeah. some some improvised riffs on uh, on on food. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Beautiful, beautiful. So, tell me what it was like when you first started out in the truck. Like, how did you? How did you put the truck together? What was your what was your strategy when you started? Bro, it it, it sucked because here in Kansas City, <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> no, you and thank you very much, Australia. Goodbye. <laughs> so, because in Kansas City, like food trucks weren't a thing like they are in other cities, and so it was tough just getting out there um, to even be seen and make money. Not to mention my spin on things. Uh, people, they just want their meat and potatoes. It's hard for them to get away from what they know, and so changing those those mentalities was was the hardest part. And and how did you do that? With like, was that was that a social media thing, or was it a word of mouth thing? You just get in everybody's face all the time, and you say, "Eat this." I mean, I'm 300 pounds. What, what are you gonna say? <laughs> if I tell you to eat it, you're gonna eat it, right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> no, so um, it was it was really just being in front of people constantly and and getting to know them. And that's how the menu kind of changed, and to the customers what they what they liked. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what the food truck was. It was a, a litmus tester. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I like that. And so, how, how did the move into the bricks and mortar come about? Because I mean, in in Australia, to move into a bricks and mortar, that's the dream. So like, yeah, you got a food truck, you got a bricks and mortar joint, man. You are living the dream. So my food truck became booked more privately, so I wasn't doing any public events anymore. And people were getting mad. They wanted that jazzy, the jazzy fries. They wanted oh, the crab okay. cakes, different things that I offer, and uh, which have a brown sugar cinnamon season on them. And don't knock it till you try it, because it's good. It's legit. Uh, bonafide is what they say. Uh, but so I was booked privately, and people were mad. And so I figured with enough following, it was time to go ahead and make that move. And so whereabouts, because I'm, I'm not familiar with the city, so whereabouts are you in the in the city? Okay, so I'm south from where we are right now. Yep. I'm southeast Jackson County, so just southeast of Kansas City. Oh, basically. very cool. Suburb, yeah. On the, on the now, I've, I've got to get my pronunciation right, Missouri or Missouri? Depends, I, depends on, depends or, on your, 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 your slang or your your tongue pronunciation, but I say Missouri. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, so are you on the Missouri side or the Kansas side? I'm Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, okay. I'm in the show me state, man. You got to show me that you're good before we, we can even talk. So. <laughs> so, so that's why you've just been following me around today. You've, you've, been, you've been trying to decide if you want to actually be on the show or not. You've just been stalking you me know, around. Yeah, I got to see if you. No, I'm <laughs> definitely no. But um. Missouri side, and that's, I mean, that's where I grew up, and that's where I am, so, yeah. Wow, beautiful. So what, what do you smoke on? Like, is the, is the smoker in the truck? No, smoker's not in the truck. I am on a big barrel. Um, I'm a wood burner. I'm a stick burner. Um, beautiful. True and true to, to the craft. Um, so I have a couple of different smokers. I have a rotisserie, um, which is still wood burning, um, and then a side-by with about an eight-foot barrel. So, yeah, I can put a whole hog on there, and I can... I've loaded that thing up, man. So good, so good. So you're a traditional, uh, like a traditional cooker. Yeah. But then you take that food and then jazz it up. I do. So in the restaurant or even on the food truck, um, some guys got to try some new stuff. I, like I, I put together a, a Cajun quesadilla. So that has oh. crab, shrimp, my jazzy sauce, which is, you need that in your life. Anybody, everybody does. Um, and a quesadilla. Um, with Parmesan cheese and cheddar cheese, so on and so forth. But in the restaurant, 
you get what I'm known for is my brisket tacos. So it's a six inch corn tortilla with cheese, brisket, my coleslaw, um, and my beautiful barbecue sauce. Um, and then a Reuben roll, like I mentioned earlier. So that's that's one of the craziest things that I have in the I restaurant. I was hoping that, that we were going to get back to the Reuben roll. <laughs> when you said that, my ears pricked up. I was like, we, we, we got to circle back to we that. We got to circle back. Okay, so we take the rye bread. Um, I uh, make my own $1,000 dressing. We use sauerkraut, cheese, and instead of corned beef, I put brisket in. We roll it up in panko and fry it, and I make a mustard glaze that goes on top of it. Oh, my God. It, it, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty stinking good. Um, armadillo eggs. Um, I, I make those jalapeno wrapped in bacon. We smoke it. Brown sugar, cream cheese filling. The, the list goes on. I, I also do um, smoke burgers, specialty smoke burgers. Yeah, right. yeah. So let's let, let me let me bend your ear a little bit on oh, this. Oh yeah, one. yeah, yeah. So what we do is take a smoked eight ounce patty, and uh, I always add different toppings to it. Like crazy. So uh, Halloween, I think I did a uh, pumpkin burger where I smoked the pumpkin, made some candy corn cheese, and all that was on a burger. Wow. Uh, we make a caramel apple burger. Uh, this month is, um, oh, I've made a bruschetta burger. This month, oh, I got a po' boy burger. So it's the eight ounce patty with some fried fish, coleslaw, jazzy sauce, and pepper jack cheese. Yeah, but the winner is the Cajun burger. And that's, again, where the quesadilla came from. It has the crab, the shrimp, monster cheese, jazzy sauce. So that kind of gives you an idea where jazzy goes with his food. You got to spin it to everything. Yeah, you, you, you kind of borrow bits of everything. You've got, like, traditional Kansas City-style prepared barbecued meats, and then you've thrown in some Cajun Creole from, like, Louisiana and then some some Latin influences yeah. from Mexico and down there. Man, yeah. that's that's so creative. Like, yeah. do you just, like, lay there, like, awake at night and just, it, just, yeah. just dream of things? Like, I do. I, it's crazy because over time it's just constantly running. And uh, what's, what can I do next? What can I what or I'll do, go eat someplace, and I'm like, dude, I can. That's beautiful. Add a little bit of smoked meat to it, so I have a, uh, I have a brisket foe. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> but I haven't. I, I've only, I've only let a few people have that, and I'm, I'm gonna wait till next fall, and I'm gonna bring it out. But yeah, so that's what I do. I, I love other culinary areas, and I just, that's, I love playing with food. Mate, that's, that sounds like you draw on so many inspirations and you're doing such a good job. Yeah. Mate, thank you for being part of the show. Thank you for, for, for sharing your story with me. Yeah. And if you've got any of those crab cakes in there, you know, <laughs> bring them out. We're going to make out. it happen, man. <laughs> no, I appreciate you. And trust me, I wasn't stalking you for long. I just I, I was watching from afar, man. So. I, I was actually joking. I didn't realize that that was what you were doing. <laughs> that's um, that's kind of... Anyway, no. let's let's wrap it up right now. <laughs> Getting awkward now. <laughs> All right, hey, man. man. Appreciate you, Thanks buddy. very much. No doubt. That was awesome. <laughs> hey, folks, it's Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here. We've just wrapped the, uh, the final day of the MBBQA conference, and I'm really glad I was able to track this fellow down because his was one of the most inspiring stories that I've heard um, at this conference. This is Mike from Code 3 Spices. Man, how you doing and how did you enjoy the conference? Every time we come to this conference, it's the networking as you got first-hand experiences. There's nothing else like it, no. literally in the world. Yeah. You come here, you're around the best. And to be able to share the knowledge with everybody and give and take, everything's reciprocal. It's one big happy family, so it's just been an amazing week. Yeah, it's it's been beautiful. and. Uh, as I was saying to someone else earlier, 
the difference between this conference and a competition is that all the people that like, yes, it's awesome meeting people at, at, at a competition. The people that, that are willing to come to a conference, they're the people that are willing to really share everything they've got to try and help everybody else. Yeah, more than likely, the people that are here, they're, they want to be here. I mean, you know, you get some people that are a little bit curious, you know, what's it about? Am I ready to go to that next level? That's the beautiful thing about barbecue. You can be guys like us or somebody that just started in their backyard and you're part of the family already. You, you can be a jerk with a microphone. <laughs> you can do that too, yeah. <laughs> so, man, tell us your story. Tell us about Code 3 Spices. Well, uh, we've been in business almost six and a half years, so it's been a little bit of a wild ride. Um, I was a police officer for about 15 years in the St. Louis, Missouri area, but I was on the Illinois side. Um, and I'll give you a quick elevator, elevator version of that. So my brother, he was in law enforcement. Uh, I wanted to be in law enforcement. So I went through a couple really rough burnout phases. Uh, the last one got me pretty good. I needed to find a way to deal with the stresses in my life that I was dealing with. It, it, I was at a point where I've never seen that amount of adversity affect me all at once. You always hear people say, you know, you feel like um, the world's just caving in on you. That's what it was, you know? But the only thing that helped me was whenever I'd go to the grocery store, grab a 12 pack, some meat, some charcoal, fire up the grill, and I was myself. I didn't have to worry about all the other issues I was dealing with. So that's really how my love and passion got started. I've been cooking since I was 18 years old, but you know, to fire it up again, you know, down the road, it's really what pulled me out of my slump that I was in. And it's a uh, it's been pretty incredible because, you know, I was diagnosed with PTS back in 2012. And that's literally when everything started changing in my life. So with that said, um, me and my business partner, Chris, when we got together, we already made it, you know, a handshake. Hey, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna help the people that really need some help. So obviously you know that we're a barbecue sauce manufacturer, a spice manufacturer, we have a, a barbecue supply, we do some consulting on the side. Um, but with that said, you know, we wanted to give back to first responder military organizations. I deal with a lot of cops and firefighters and military members on a weekly basis that I've cultivated relationships, you know, through the company. And too many people are committing suicide. And thankfully, I was never in a spot where I was that bad. But whenever you see, when you see that every day or have a, I've, I can't tell you how many friends I've lost to suicide. Yeah. It's yeah. just really uncalled for. You know, you get one shot at this life, right? And you don't want to see your, your buddies, you know, crawling through the mud nonstop. So that's what Chris and I are trying to do. As we grow our business, we want to reach out and we want to, we want to find ways to help these guys and gals coming back from, you know, foreign soil or all the guys and gals on, on you know, our land here in America that are, that are dealing First with the struggles. And, First responders, yeah. cops, firefighters, EMT, you know, living that lifestyle for 15 years and really loving it, really embracing the opportunity to give back to the community that I worked in was priceless. But with life being so short, the journey that we're on right now, it's just so much more rewarding. You know, I get to cook and grill every single day. And it's just, I don't know many people that can say that. You know, so that, that's sort of a, the gist of our story. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, yes, we make outstanding products. Yes, we take a lot of pride in 
how we conduct business and how we communicate with our customers and thank them and all that good stuff. Um, obviously, the beautiful part is meeting guys like you. You know, it's, it's just a really niche passion that not too many people can share with each other. You know, we're standing at this beautiful hotel in downtown Kansas City right now, and you're walking down the hall and you're seeing guys on Food Network, you're seeing guys on this TV show. It's, just, it's incredible. Yeah. Right? You know, a, a lot of guys will see some of these people and be like starstruck, and I, we're all just regular dudes. We're all just regular guys. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. We all put our pants on one leg at a time, but my, my point with that comment is almost everybody in this barbecue, barbecue community, they give back in some fashion. And I think that's what the, the common ground is amongst all of us. I don't see too many barbecue competitions that aren't raising money for XYZ or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. just to get back though, I mean, you know, we donate to three main charities. Um, one is uh, Backstoppers out of the St. Louis, Missouri area, which is our neck of the woods. And they come in and they provide help for the fallen uh, widows, you know, whether it's school or college or- So important. It's, it's, it is, and it rocks your community. We, we've lost uh, two state troopers in the last two weeks, you know, and it just, it's got to stop. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to yeah. stop, but we need to find ways to combat that and, you know, help those families get through that very, very grieving time. These men and women, they're doing a job that no one wants to do. You know, I've been in that squad car. I know what it's like, you know. So with that said, you know, we've talked about PTSD and suicide prevention. Safe Call Now out of Seattle, Washington, they're a 24-hour comprehensive suicide prevention hotline. They're phenomenal people. I mean, I really don't even need to tell you what they're doing. Um, and then U.S. Veterans Foundation is probably our newest one. And then we do a lot of stuff locally in our area, but right now, as a core, that's who we're donating to, and that's why we're donating. That's beautiful work, man, beautiful work. And you're you're too humble to, to, to tell the people, so I'll, I'll tell them. You guys cleaned up pretty well at the awards too, didn't you? So your, your, your hard work and your passion has been recognized. We've had a, a good run. I mean, I'm not going to lie. And honestly, I think it just comes down to your product being good. And it, I mean, we took Memphis in May. We've done National Barbecue News. We got a first place at the Awards of Excellence this week. Um, do we love it? Yeah, that's why we do it. It's great to take. Chris took second place last night. You know, he took a fifth today. You know, it's uh, it, we work hard at this, you know. So, yeah, we, we appreciate it, but I appreciate the humble comment. Oh. <laughs> We're just having fun. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. All right, so tell everybody where they can track down Code 3 Spices online and make their orders. Absolutely. So uh, we are in Australia. We are in Canada at Dixon Barbecue. Um, in America, we're making a nationwide push right now. We're hopefully going to be adding 15 or so grocery chains this year. Wow. Um, you can find us at Code3Spices.com. We're all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, Reddit, you name it. Uh, I stay pretty busy on my phone all day. And, you know, that's the other thing I want to add real quick is when somebody sends us a direct message or whatever, that's me or Chris emailing back. We're not paying a company. So we take a lot of pride in, you know, communicating with the people, spending their hard-earned money on our products to support our mission and giving back to those who serve, basically. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Beautiful work. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And I'll, uh, I'll let you uh, get back to what you're doing. Thanks, sir. Have a good one. You too. Hey, folks. It's Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here. We are wrapping up uh, the final day of the MBBQA, but I couldn't leave without tracking down one of the most impressive stories from this weekend. This is Kathy and Mike from High School Barbecue Cookers Association. Sir? Yes. Nailed it. And uh, they've got some really impressive things to say about uh, some work that they've been doing. Kathy, we might kick things off with you. Would you like to... Uh, 
give us, uh, give us a little bit of a rundown on what you've been doing. So my focus is getting kids cooking from the ages of five to about 15 before they get into Mike's group at high school and really broaden that cooking opportunity for them so that they can learn some lifelong skills. That is gold because there are so many kids out there that don't even know how to boil water. So. It definitely makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah, life skills for sure. Now, in the presentation yesterday, Mike, you were talking a lot about the about the work that you're doing in the high schools. Now, as an ex-high school teacher myself, cool. And there's a reason why I'm an ex-high school teacher. <laughs> First of all, I tip my hat to you for uh, for for still fighting that good fight. And uh, mate, tell me a bit about about your end of uh, of the process. Well, after Kathy trains them up right in these adult cook-offs, we want to get them engaged for careers, and we're working through the high schools to one teach them to feed themselves, but also doing welding, and they're welding barbecue pits, and they're learning brisket and pork and ribs, and so they can serve their community, because a lot of these barbecue guys out here, they cook for all kinds of charitable organizations, and it's teaching kids not only about to be servant leaders, but to really understand that they can do this all through college, we call it tailgating, and then they can do it here as adults like we did in Kansas City today, and really have some fun and win some money through SCA or Kansas City Barbecue Society. Or See, I love that, because the kids are getting two useful skill sets that they can build careers out of. They're getting welding and manufacturing, and then they're getting cooking skills and you know, chefing and uh, food and beverage on top of that. So, I mean, that's, it's just, it's just so good. So, I understand that you've um, up, like, maybe put a few noses out of joint though. Perhaps the people that play with the pigskins. <laughs> we, we've got pork spare ribs as part of our category. We're going to have to add some pork butt here eventually, but in Texas, it's brisket everywhere else. It's whole hog and pig. So that's the fun part is eventually we'll have, you know, we call it the Red River rivalry. It used to be Arkansas and Texas, and now it's going to probably be Georgia and Alabama and North Carolina and Germans and all over the world. You know, we've got some Aussies in Texas now that are cooking up storm too. So Yeah. Did I hear you uh, talking, Kathy, about um, some social media work that the barbecue kids did that um, perhaps outshone some other people? So what we did was we created a group of parents to really gain some feedback from the parents and kids. So it's uh, a Facebook group, so parents and the community as a whole, as well as organizers, can come together and get all that data together. Where is the next cook? What are the kids doing? How are they overcoming challenges? And it works together because we have people from all over the U.S. and Canada. Right, but you've really sort of uh, got some viral content going there, don't you? Um, it's, it's gotten pretty big. The, the, even the presentation went really well, and we're just happy that everyone's aware of it. Beautiful. So what's coming up for this group of kids next? Well, they're blessed that they're going to get cooked in the World Food Championship. So oh, we're going to have 10 wow. high school barbecue teams that last year Texas won it all for the chef's category, and they placed top 15 in three categories against adults. So these kids can cook, and... You wait, they're going to be coming up, and some of them are going to be coming here and whooping some adults' butts. So uh, that's a good thing for parents to see uh, their kids shine. Definitely, definitely. It's, uh, it's bringing the families together as well, which is just beautiful work. Listen, that's all the time we've got for today. I'm going to have to wrap this up. Thank you very much for, for speaking with me. But thank more you. importantly, thank you for the work that you're doing with the kids out there. It is so important, and you're doing such a good job of it. Thank you. Thank you for teaching. <laughs> In another way. <laughs> And there you have it, family. How good was that? There's really nothing better than a day of sunshine, barbecue, beer, and music, especially when that barbecue is cooked by the best of the best from the NBBQA conference. Now, you may be thinking that with the conference wrapped up, this would be the end of the season, but it is not. 
I've got five more episodes up my sleeve of interviews with people that I met on this tour who had so much great information and inspirational stories to share that I had to dedicate an entire episode to each of them for a deep dive. So stay tuned. Before I let you go, I want to remind you about our killer merch lineup, the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook, and if you have a minute, it'd really help me out if you could subscribe, rate, and review the show. The ratings and reviews trigger the algorithms and make Apple distribute the podcast further and wider, so they are really important and very much appreciated. And that's the end of the show. Till next time, take care of each other and keep on curing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>